Welcome back, my friends, to a week of worship online once again. It looks like this is going a little bit longer, and I'm going to reach out to each one of you, hopefully over the phone over the beginning of this next week. We're hoping to send some things out that you can start some routines with your family or yourself that focus on God's Word. This is the time of new routines, and we're hoping that you can do that at home. So that's hopefully coming out by the end of this week. You should be able to get that. We're going to do an abbreviated worship today, so we're going to start with an invocation. And then we'll go to our reading, which is Peter disowns Jesus. This is his trial before Pilate. And then we'll have a sermon, a little bit of an illustration for the kids. I'll see how well it works out on the camera. And finally, our prayer and blessing. So really appreciate it. Hopefully that you are safe and you are at home. And so thanks to, uh, so thankful that you're tuning in and working with us during this difficult time. We've got a couple of things that we're gonna start on rolling to try and make this a little bit easier. But until then, this is just a recorded message. And special thanks, we're gonna have some music at the end, which is was not intended to be distributed, but we recorded it previously. Allie and Ashley let us said uh, that we could use it, so looking forward to that. So that's gonna be at the end of this if you wanna listen. And maybe even sing along, maybe a little strange with just a few of you around, but you can at least listen and recognize what kind of God that we have. We worship today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading is the trial before Pilate. This is Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through the end of the chapter, and then verse 15, or chapter 15 through verse 15. And then Jesus' death and burial will be our reading for uh, next week. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, that this fellow is one of them, again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely, you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom of the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Knowing it was out of envy, the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call King of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. 
Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. Yet Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Let's take a moment to silently confess our own sins. not with the blood of beasts or lambs that Jesus took away our blood, but his own blood on the cross. And because he has died and because he has risen as a called servant of Christ, I can forgive your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon this morning is kind of a COVID update, so you're going to hear some staples as I have my slides. I want to make sure I have the right slides. And I'm going to overlay those in just a second. So it's a COVID update. I had a couple options. I was going to continue our sermon series. And that seemed like a good idea, except with all the things that are going on, I thought I'd have like one special message at least that talks about this and what is our natural reaction and what is reaction as Christians and what has God called us to do in these kind of uncertain times. There is a phrase that comes out in the military. We have all kinds of things going on. I just saw we have over 300,000 cases worldwide, 13,000 deaths. Uh, there's 95,000 people have recovered, but 13,000 people have died. Our own school district in Castle Rock has cases, or Douglas County, I should say, has cases. And we, this is kind of these uncertain times. There's a phrase that I ran across more than once called VUCA. I think that's how you say it. VUCA, V-U-C-A. And the, the idea is, you'll see on the slide, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And if that does not describe the things that we're going through now, and you can see the other side to help you with this idea, but volatile, the opposite of volatile would be stable. The opposite of uncertain is predictable or certain. Complex would be very simple and ambiguous would be clear. And there used to be a time, and this is where this came from, there used to be a time where there was a known enemy. This is not all these for bad stuff. And if you're in the business world, you've probably heard this so often this last week or two that you're like, I don't wanna hear about VUCA ever again. But there used to be a time where it was really predictable. If you grew up like I did in the 70s and 80s and 90s, there was this predictable world. We had this known enemy. The enemy, of course, was the Russians. We knew this because we watched Rocky, and Rocky went against, uh, what is this, Vlad not Vladimir, it was, uh, I just lost his name, Dolph Lundgren plays him. And so this is the Russian, like America versus Russian. We had the miracle on ice, I think that's 1980 at the Olympics, something like that. So this is like this epic battle between the Russians and you watch Red Dawn, our, our enemy that we always talk about this Cold War, like two neighbors with their monster trucks just trying to like outdo each other. We were doing that with nuclear weapons. The kids may not know this if they're young, but it was a strange time, but at least we knew who our enemies were. We'd go to the Olympics, we wanted to beat the Russians. That's what we did. Well, eventually that, that world, that communist world, that's from like World War II until, uh, I think the Berwyn Fall fell in like 1989. So this is like the start excuse me, the fall of communism. And we have this idea that the enemy is not so clearly laid out. We run into different things. And now we're talking about terrorism. We're talking about guerrilla warfare. It's not so clearly like two superpowers going against each other. Instead, it's kind of an unknown. And it's scary. So the army, I think it's some kind of school of the army. I don't know exactly the name of the school. Came up with this concept of VUCA, V-U-C-A to try and describe how you do that. Now, how do you get through that? I don't want to bore you with this, but they said if, if we're in volatility, as you can see on the slide, 
there's a response is having a vision. If we're in this time of uncertainty, we, we try and understand what we do know, and that's what we're trying to do right now. Complexity, we try and see what we can know and how we can be clear about that, of course. Ambiguity, we try to be agile as we try and figure these things out. I think we would describe and say that this is something that we're dealing with right now. Like this is, it, you could use this about everything in your life. And I would think all your, the normal things that you did, the stable things, even in this unstable world, they're, they're different. And the stock market's going up and down. They're talking about sending money now to people. They're talking about um, that the, the interest rates are dropping. They're trying to do all these things, but they don't have linear effects. So it's not so simple as, okay, we'll drop the interest rate and now the economy is going to boom. That's not okay. There's more complex things going on. And so I have other ideas, right? We're going to send this, um, and I don't know if it's going to go through. They're, they're talking about it to try and vote on Monday or something like that. But to send money to every adult and kid in America with the idea that this money is going to pour back in the economy. Well, it's not so simple. And I'm not an economist, but I understand that the situation is not so simple. A, we're borrowing that money to make that happen. We have all these kind of just levers and things that are happening. We're not the first person to face uncertainty, and I think of a number of people, but we just spent a little bit of time with Titus. There's another pastor talked about in the New Testament, and his name is Timothy, and Timothy had to go to Macedonia. Now, Timothy was a Greek. His mother was, his mother and his grandmother were Christians. They were believers, and he had learned the gospel through them, and now he's his pastor, and he's a young pastor. We know that. Titus, we're not sure about his age, but Timothy was young, and he goes off into this area and the way the Bible describes it is these people are jumping and grabbing at every single possibility of things. They're, they're jumping to these, these, these strange ideas and they're jumping to genealogies to try and find some answers. And he says, don't worry about that stuff. And so that's his first letter. And now his second letter, he writes, and this is just the beginning. So it's 2 Timothy. And we're going to look at verses 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. For the Spirit of God gave us uh, the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And I think if we try and describe very simply the feelings that most people have right now, even if you're this big, tough guy, is there's this a little bit of a sense of fear when you start making things unstable, and you start making things volatile, and you start making things uh, uncertain and complex. It, 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 it instills in us this fear. And this is a normal thing. And if, if you're anything like I am, and I get to my regular, I'm recording this on Saturday night, so this is like my regular week. I noticed that I have a wait, even though it was spring break for us, we couldn't go to Steamboat, we were really excited about it, that got canceled. We're hanging out at home, it should be super relaxing, but at the same time, because of all this uncertainty, there's this kind of wait and there's this added stress just because we don't know what is gonna happen. And so that's the same thing that, that Timothy would have been facing, and he says, though, God did not give us this sense of fear. God gave us not to be timid. God says, I want you to walk with authority. I want you to walk with confidence. And what does that mean? My grandfather was a farmer, and I never got to see him farm too much. I rode on the tractor when he was young, but he was mostly retired by the time I was at an age where I'd remember these things. We'd go in his, always John Deere, we'd go in his John Deere cab, and he'd have a whole gallon of water, and he'd drink the gallon of water. But his lines were perfectly straight. And, and had to ask him about that, and he would kind of teach me, but he finally said, here's the deal. You can't look back at your lines because they get crooked. You have to pick a point in the distance, 
And when you do that, you just pick that point and you stay steady on it and his lines were always perfect. Now, now when they do combining and things like that, it's GPS and I think they could just hang out like a Tesla car and that just does that. That's how nice these machines are. But back then you actually had to have straight roads. And if we're gonna get through this volatile time, if we're gonna get through this time that's ever changing, we can't do it by looking back and saying we're gonna figure this out. We can't do it by just staring at our hands. We have to look forward in front of us. So here is my illustration, and I want the kids to participate. So if you have the kids there, I brought a stick because who doesn't have a stick? My stick, <coughs> it's a decorative stick, but here's, here's the challenge. You can pause the video in 10 seconds. So this is what I want you to do. Go get a broom handle, and I want everyone to see how long they can balance it, like on the palm of their hand, and they have to look at the base. Look at your hand and see how long you can balance it. Okay, so that's step one. Pause the video right now. I'll wait. Go ahead, pause it, try this out as a family and see who can do it the longest. Even when I'm not with you, I'm competitive. All right, welcome back. Here is the thing. So we're gonna stare at the base, and if I do that, I start to lose it. I'm gonna try it again, and I have a flat bottom. <coughs> I start to lose it. What is the secret if you're gonna balance a stick on your hand? If you don't know this, here's the secret. You just look at the top. I didn't say it was super smooth, but I'm not going to drop the stick. So there we go. What is the picture that we're talking about? When we go through these uncertain times, just like him and just like Timothy, especially now, is the time that we look to God and we look up to God instead of down at ourselves to try and figure all these things out. And that's what God is calling him to do. So for the Spirit of God did not make us timid, he gave us his confidence to look at something in the distance and look at him and he gives us power and love and self-discipline. So... Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering the gospel by the power of God. So he says, you don't have to worry about this. Don't be ashamed of this. And if you have family, if you are married, if you are a single person, all your routines are disrupted. Everything is different. But I think when all things are disrupted, like when you move, well, I'll give you an example, a negative example. They say one of the things an alcoholic has to do is move away out of their house so they get new routines. If they're so ingrained that this is what they do and this is when they drink and this is that they have to move those environments. Sometimes when people are wrapped up with tough friends, they have to move environments. And I bet at a job you have a certain, people looked at you a certain way and you did it a certain way. But when you switch environments, you get a chance to start over. I think the coronavirus is giving you a chance to start over. And you can either choose to do all this other garbage or all this other stuff or the same, same tired routines, or you get a chance to do something remarkable. And we're going to send something in the mail, hopefully you get it this week. And what we're asking you to do is to make new routines. This is the prime time when you can say, I want to share the gospel, see what he says. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You get this chance to give this testimony. Don't be afraid of the testimony of Jesus because it's so, so unique and it's so needed at this very time. I was reading a story and this also came up as I read more news now than ever. I actually subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, like $1 for two months or something like that. I'll probably quit after that. But, and 
was reading this story and they're talking about the, the word the black swan because that's a phrase that I started to hear around and you, you hear that phrase so this comes out way 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 back then this is a Latin phrase that said a woman of many virtues or, the, or of these many virtues is as rare as a black swan on the earth and so we get this idea right if you find someone who's very unique they'd say man that person's a rare bird and that's usually a positive thing that the that's not the phrase we most often use now. Now they probably say someone is an athletic unicorn. They wouldn't say that person's a black swan. But this was a phrase. It starts rolling through in culture and it gets all the way to the 1600s. And they had this idea in Europe that there was no such thing as a black swan. So then they have this phrase that they would use. And the economists use the same thing, that this coronavirus and what it's going to do to the economy is something that is so utterly unpredictable, you could never see it coming. So they call that a black swan. Well, here's the problem. An explorer, I think his name is Fleming, when a Dutch explorer in the late 1600s goes to Australia and what do you think he finds? He finds a whole bunch of black swans. And so now this moves into this philosophy. This is this idea that says, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not true. And I think that's true about a lot of things, right? It, and I was reading about economists and this idea of a black swan that we could never see this thing coming, this idea of a pandemic. But there's been pandemics forever. Italy, this is not their first go around. I was reading articles about in the Middle Ages and the Black Plagues that they every five years they would have an epidemic. This was part of their life. We just haven't suffered this, but I wouldn't say it's totally unpredictable. Another economist said, instead of calling this a black swan, I like to call moments like this a gray rhino who's charging at you. And I think, did we have no idea that something like this could happen? I'm not saying I predicted it. This is not my job. I don't understand this. But I just read a book, and the, the premise of the whole book, this is a mystery book, Kyle Mills, I think is his last name, but he writes for Vince Flint, who is now, um, he died. So he's taken over writing these kind of these, um, well, Mitch Rapp books. Okay. It's nonfiction. That's not nonfiction. It's totally fiction, and I just read it when... I don't want to read fiction. So anyway, so I'm reading these books, but the last one I read literally in the last month was about a pandemic that had come that, that was trying to threaten the United States. So this idea is around, right? This is, th th this is this idea that this rarely going to happen, but it's a unique opportunity. Why do I bring this up? Like, why does this matter? We think there's a lot of things in our lives that we're never going to be called to bother us. This is, that are so rare, we don't have to worry about it. But look at what he says in the next verse. So... He didn't call us to be timid. I'll read verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or about me of his prisoner. He's in prison at this time, Paul is. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He, this is God, has saved us and called us to a holy life. I think one of the black swans that we see in our own life, one of the ideas that we have is that we can get wrapped up in a certain amount of sin. And we think we're going to be the one who doesn't fall from it. And I think that's something to keep in mind now as you get new routines. And some of these routines aren't necessarily going to be healthy. Your employer's eyes are not on you all the time, most likely. And maybe you got a little bit more flexibility. you got a little bit different routine with your kids. you got a little bit alone time. And here is you with the internet all by yourself. You have all these things that are changing. I, we always want to think that we're the black swan, I think. And I think personally, I've struggled with the same thing that says, okay, I'm going to be the exception. 
that isn't affected when I gossip about people. I'm going to be the exception that I can think about money a lot and, and not have that affect me. I'm going to be the obsession, uh, obsession, uh, obsession, exception that says I can drink to this much and it's not really a big deal because I can stop anytime I want. I'm going to be the exception that can do recreational drugs. I'm going to be the exception that can get really, really close in my relationship physically, at, but it's not going to affect me in the way I can view different movies. I can see violent movies and it doesn't bother me. I can watch sexual stuff on TV. It's not going to bother me. I can listen to all kinds of songs with all kinds of lyrics and that and it's not going to bother me because I'm the black swan. How many times have you told yourself that? And I think if you're like me, you've said that more often than you should. We're not the black swan. And I think we look in our heart, we'd like to think that this is never going to affect us, but instead, it's just like that explorer going into to, to Australia. There's, there's all kinds of these things. Every single sin that we get involved in affects our whole life. And what is he telling him? He says, but God has given you this power. He's given you the gospel. He's called you to live a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. That grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. If you want to know a true black swan, a true black swan, the only of his kind is Jesus. Every single temptation we listed off before Jesus would have faced. And every single opportunity to, to go against his father will, he would have faced. And he didn't go at it saying, like, I don't have to worry about this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be the one. Instead, he resisted every single time. And he goes all the way to the cross, and he always kept his, kept his eyes on Jesus. Uh, Jesus always kept his eyes on God, recognizing that this is who God has called him to be. He's called to come to live in our place. He's called him to live perfectly in our place. He's called him to go all the way to the cross so that we can do something very, very unique. Jesus is the only one who lived on this earth perfectly. Jesus is the only one who's true God and true man. Jesus is the only one who has raised himself from the dead. And now we get to follow suit. And that's what it talks about here. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, the only one who has ever destroyed death. And with that destruction of death, he destroys all our sins. With that destruction of death... He, he puts away our sins, and with his death on the cross, he takes your sin, the one that is bothering you right now, the one you've been kidding yourself about, the one that you think you can just stop any time. He says, I've called you to live a holy life. Let's put to death that sin, and let's start new routines focused on me in love and forgiveness. He has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to the light of the gospel. How does this happen? It happens through the gospel. Which brings us all the way full circle. Why are we sending you devotional materials? Why are you going to send you a book? Maybe you say, I'm not a reader. Why are we going to send you stuff to go through with your kids? Why are we going to give you online resources? Because you have a perfect time right now to not only preach the gospel in your own heart. You have a perfect time to preach the gospel in the life of the people around you. You have a perfect time to preach that gospel in the hearts of everyone you know. And how does Paul say it? And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. You're not the apostle Paul. 
and you're not Timothy, but in a unique way, God has put you exactly where he wants you to be. So what does that look like? Uh, very briefly, remember the source as you go out with this coronavirus. We can't look at our own hands to find our strength. Instead, we need to look up to God, his love, and his forgiveness that he's given to us. Love, uh, let love dictate the way that you function. It's really easy to be selfish. It's really easy to you know, like hoard stuff and say, like, I'm safe. But let's have a heart that pours out into the people and be God's, again, Jesus' hands and his feet in this world and the way that we can express love and concern to them. Let's listen to our government. I know it's maybe not your favorite, uh, but God put officials there to help us keep us safe and to put parameters up and experts there. Let's listen to them because of love. It doesn't mean that we're going to just disregard some of these regulations, but instead we're going to try and listen to them and try and uh, get rid of this virus as fast as we can. Not so we can get back to a normal life, so that we can get to back to a special life that God has called us to. And love your neighbors. Uh, Mr. Rogers, my friend, was telling me this, famously said, uh, his mom told him, look for helpers because that's where you find hope. And I think it'd be pretty awesome if the, the namesake of our our people, right, our congregation as it went out into this world during this time would be their helpers. And when they find helpers, they find hope. So look for opportunities. You've got all kinds in there. The Help and Hope Center I know needs volunteers like crazy. Uh, we got our own members that are struggling financially. You got a chance to be able to give online. If you look at the COVID assistance fund, you can put there, we're gonna try and help some people out in a small way at least. We're gonna try and help some people out as they try and bridge this financial gap. I'm going to reach out personally to you each this week. You're going to get something in the mail, and together we're going to be able to get through this. It's going to be not just two weeks. I think it's going to be multiple weeks. And together, though, we're going to be able to get through this. We're going to lead through this together in this uh, VUCA time. I think we'd say it's volatile, and it's uncertain, and it's unstable, and it's unclear, and it's ambiguous. But through Christ, if we keep our eyes on him, we're going to have vision of forgiveness in him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're always trying to find the perfect reaction, and, and sometimes we don't do that. And selfishly, we think, uh, hey, we'll connect to you, and we're also going to connect to this sin. Help us to put to death the sins that have been uh, plaguing us, that these things that we think we're the black swan, we're the exception, that can, and can get away with holding on to you and holding on to sin. Let's get rid of those things in our life, and let's use this time, kind of a special time. Maybe it's 40 days, maybe it's two months, maybe it's four weeks, who knows what it is. But let's use this time as a special time to refocus and re-examine and reconnect our lives to you and be a witness to the people around us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Now go with the blessing of the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of you. Amen. Look forward to seeing you uh, very, very soon. Take care. striving these days why are you trying to earn grace why are you crying let me lift up your face just don't turn away why are you looking still searching as if I'm not enough. 
Here at my side, my hands are holding. 